and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Alright, Marvel fans, here we are, episode 5 of Moon Knight. We are at the second to last episode. Crazy to think about because I feel like we have still so much to wrap up in this episode. And uh, this one was a doozy. I have so many thoughts. Katie, I want to start with you and then I just have a list. Actually, I don't even have a list. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I have a list. But it's so disjointed. So I essentially sat there watching the episode with my phone in my hand, just writing throughout the whole thing, which normally I don't do, but I just thought there was so much going on that I was like, I, I almost have to. And I, I every time I went to put my phone away, I was like, nope, I have to keep it open. So for the most part, I think my list is in a semi-coherent order for us to follow through. I don't know if you have thoughts or would like to just run through it. But yeah, I I agree that this was a a heavy episode. It was a lot at once. And I, I think at the end, we can give our overalls about what we felt about the episode and all that. But if we want to get right into it, I'm going to get right into it. Yeah, why don't we start with your list? I'm sure I have some of the same, um, same ones. And then we'll talk about the ones that maybe we didn't have in common. Okay. So to start off, and this is just kind of a funny one because we're not ready to get into some of the dooziness, but I had to laugh and I just live my life through Stephen the Bean because he was loving Tawaret. I cannot say it for the life of me and I won't be able to say it for the life of me. I'm trying. (laughs) But Mark was so over it. And I... Mark was done with the hippo. He was like, no... I'm good. There's a giant female talking hippo. And Mark was like, hello, giant female talking hippo. We're going to be best friends. He was so high. Like, it didn't matter what she was telling him. He just was like, yeah, you're right. Exactly. And then when, when Mark was like, we should throw her off the boat. And and Stephen was like, I'm sorry, what? You want to throw the <laughs> goddess off the boat? He was just... I, I thought it was so funny. And I have to applaud um the producers and the writers because, in all honesty, they did such a heavy episode and allowed us to still have these moments that were just... You're just laughing at the interaction between these two because now they are two. <laughs> so I really do applaud them because in such a darkness, we had those little bits of light. And that was one of my favorite things. Like, from the get-go, I'm watching this. And just the difference between the two of them reacting to all this. She literally is like, you're dead. And Steven's like, oh my god, tell me more about this afterlife. We're here, right? Oh my god, we're here. That's awesome. And he's like, feel the freeze. Yeah, and Mark is just like, oh my god, we're dead. Like, he's stressing. And 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 Steven's like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, Um, I also have something on my list really quick. First, I wrote... <laughs> And this is not as important as my second point, but I wrote Tawaret. I also am struggling this evening. Tawaret is a... I know they even said it in the episode 9,000 times. I still can't say it. Well, Stephen has the English accent. So I feel like I can only say it with an English accent because he says her name a lot more than Mark because Mark truly, I don't think, has grasped her name. But Stephen's like, Tawaret. And I'm like, that's the British way. But like, is that how an um, quote-unquote American accent would say it? I don't know. Yeah. So I'm just going to say Tawaret. I feel like that's how Steven said it. But um, I wrote, Tawaret is a queen. So that was one of my important list points from last night's episode. Last yeah. night, because we are recording this on a Thursday for everyone who's now listening to it this Friday. But my more important point was something that she said before um, they left the kind of building that was on the boat when it still when they were still what looked they were still inside what looked like a mental hospital. She says, you know, when she first talks about how they're in the afterlife and she like emphasizes that she was like oh yeah there's all these other planes and then she starts listing them off i don't know if you caught this but one of the ones she listed off was the ancestral plane i did a la black panther and i was immediately like oh, 
I was so excited, especially knowing that we got, or some people got the first Black Panther footage or this week at CinemaCon. So it's just like so exciting. It feels like it's coming closer and we're like getting all these, not all these, but like we're getting little hints towards it, especially knowing, you know, I think this was kind of glossed over in Black Panther, or at least not something that I really paid a lot of attention to, but the idea of Bast being the Panther God. So we have, you know, we always talk about Thor and Loki being the like predecessor gods to the Egyptian gods in the MCU, but Bast is very much still a thing as well. Um, so it was really cool to see gods from different cultures making reference to one another. Yeah. Well, and I just, I just thought that whole bit was pretty interesting. I did have to laugh and she was like, I've never been in a mental hospital. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, only Steven and yeah. Mark. But even moving forward from that, I <laughs> wanted to point this out for all our Once Upon a Time fans. If you haven't, um, <laughs> Taylor just got very excited. If you haven't listened to us before, you, you might not have realized we do make some references quite a bit to that. <laughs> And this this was a reference here when she took the hearts out of them. I immediately was like, dang, she's going all evil queen on them. <laughs> Regina, I know. I I was like, she did it. And then I was like, where have I seen that before? And then I was like, oh my God, once upon a time. Oh no, it, was it immediately like literally clicked the same- for me. <laughs> Oh, I, it took me a hot second. But then when they did, it was like, it struck me how it was the exact same way that it was done. Like it was depicted the exact same way in this show versus Once Upon a Time. Not surprising, Once Upon a Time is also a Disney property, but at the same time, the fact that that show was coming out like five, ten years ago, and like here we are, and there still looks the same, just go- show, just goes to show what a good show Once Upon a Time is. I know this is a Marvel podcast, but I'm going to plug that one too, because it's so, so good. Yeah, and I mean, I just thought it was really interesting. And then, since we're talking about the hearts, I want to bring up, and something I really want to talk about was that the fact that when they were dead, they're considered two different souls essentially with because they have two different hearts but i also thought it was weird because then they were weighing them together so i thought it was a little strange because like tabarat even says oh are you twins as if they are two separate human beings um so i thought that was really interesting the way that that was done just because it one it like established them as two separate beings but then like i said the hearts were weighed together and had to be made even so i thought that was just kind of interesting since if they're technically two different people i didn't quite get why their hearts were weighed together then see i did not interpret it that way and maybe the way i interpreted might help you understand that a little bit the way i kind of thought of it was like and i'm just still trying to crystallize this now kind of as you were speaking but mark and steven led two different lives right and we see why and i'm sure we're gonna dive into that Mm -hmm. more throughout this episode but you know they they've led two different lives so it kind of makes sense why they were two different bodies because two different perspectives however or in the afterlife two different bodies but however they are still the same soul it's the same body which is why they were then weighed together and why they couldn't find balance until there was only one of them left yeah okay that makes more sense i just think i was a little thrown off i i i'm it made more sense to me that they were being weighed together. <laughs> yeah. But I was more thrown off by the fact that when she made the comment about twins, like she looked at them as if they were two separate souls that had died. I just genuinely think that she'd never seen anyone with DID before. And so perhaps this is a first for the Egyptian afterlife to have a soul that has led two different lives because it's two different like it almost belongs to two different people yeah so i just think it's like one of those things where she'd never come across anyone quite like mark and steven and because of that just defaulted to the natural thing which is you guys look so much alike you must be twins not you guys are two halves of the same body living two different lives like that would not be my first you know go-to if i saw two people who looked alike so that was kind of what i thought there yeah fair So I guess now we should just take that turn, you know, and something I actually even I I mean, I even noted in my notes as I was ferociously watching but typing at the same time that I think this show in general has taken quite a turn from where we started and where we kind of were on this road to go and totally nothing wrong with that. But it reminded me a lot of Loki where we were like the first two episodes were exactly kind of what we thought we were getting. And then suddenly we went down a completely different road. Big left turn. Yeah. 
And I mean, this episode itself um, kind of did the same thing. So obviously we were in this weird spot. We didn't know where we were at the end of episode four. Now we enter episode five exactly where we left off, uh, which I really like that they do that. There's not really like a confusion. It's like, oh, no, we literally were done here. And it's like, oh, okay, like you're dead. What does this mean? And then suddenly it becomes like this whole internal journey into who Mark is. And I say Mark specifically because we have finally gotten that confirmation, although we kind of already had it. But we've definitely got now that Mark is the person who has DID and Steven is an alter. Yeah, I literally wrote... Because, I mean, the person who brings that out really is Harrow, as the Dr. Harrow. So I wrote in my notes, Harrow asks the question we've all been asking, and finally we got the answer. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I think that definitely helped. And, like, so suddenly we're we're diving so deeply into who he is. And I know at the very beginning of this, when we were kind of talking about DID itself, and I know I said a lot about it's usually triggered by a traumatic event. Never did I think this would be the traumatic event? Did I say it was something with the mom? Yes. You did. And you also <laughs> said it typically happens in childhood. So the whole time this episode mm-hmm. was happening, I was like, Katie called this. Like, not in specific terms, yeah. but you called the general theme of what was happening. Yeah. I was really shocked because, for one, it was an obvious very traumatic event to have essentially had to live with the fact that he was responsible for his brother's death. Um, And to be fair, he was a kid. He didn't know any better. But he was being pretty much told he was responsible. Yeah. And he looked, what, maybe seven, eight? It's hard to kind of... Yeah, he was so young. Exactly. So it it was traumatic enough to have lost a sibling, uh, let alone pretty much being forced to take that responsibility that you don't even understand. Also, um, and it's actually, I don't know what it's reminding me of. I, it might have been a case study I read, or it could have been an episode of Criminal Minds. Either could be. But it, the, in that episode, the big, or whatever it's reminding me of, um, the big thing was that he was work. it was a movie. It was a movie I watched for a psych class. <laughs> but the big thing he was work- it all comes back yes, to me exactly. now. But the big thing he had to work through and accept was also that he had survivor's guilt. And that he was the one who lived through it, but he wasn't the favorited son to have begun the whole journey and this was exactly what this was and i wish i could remember the name of it and when i research it i will put it in the blog it was a great movie the premise sounds really familiar so i feel like i might have was it like a popular movie i don't know it's an old it's a little bit of an older movie and it actually was the mother as well who was who favored the other brother and it was also a a water incident (laughs) a lot of similarities to it and i wish i definitely i definitely have seen this movie whatever it is i know i wish i could remember what it is i watched it last semester for a class that was based off of like movies and we talked about the psych uh, and like mental illnesses that were involved in it so i watched quite a few movies so i cannot remember the name of it right now but it was really amazing and that was one of the things he suffered with was the survivor's guilt and on top of that with his mother always pretty much continuously blaming him and everything he did was never going to be enough for her and that's exactly what was happening for Mark. Well, and then and that's I mean, not even he was even younger. Well, yeah, and then that's not even, you know, bringing up the physical abuse then. Like it started off verbal yeah. and it started off, you know, blaming him and berating him and screaming at him. But then it moved into physical abuse, and that, yeah, awful. Well, and I mean, I that was really dark, and I think Marvel has a has a thing about not having good parents. Um, <laughs> but that was a different degree, and I think what really I think people can pull a lot of things from you know Thor's relationship with his father and Loki's relationship with his father, and I, I use that as a good example because I think we've all agreed that Odin is one of the worst parental figures to be present in the MCU. But I think what really shook me was how present this could be in many people's lives. I think this was one of the ones where you were like, wow, like I could watch anybody go through that. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Actually, now that you say that, you know, much of the bad parental figures you've seen, whether it be Odin, Ego, Thanos, there's one other example I'm thinking of, but she doesn't quite fit that. They're all magical. They're, or space, or some, there's something non-normal about them. The only other parent in the MCU I can think of that I think is a bad parent, but in a non-magical way, is actually Mrs. Bishop. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Who basically just lies to her kid. You know, she, so she's 
But what she does is nowhere near, in my opinion, as bad as what happens to Mark. But I get what you're saying in the fact that, like, they could be your neighbor. Your neighbor could be working for someone bad and, and lying to their kid. Your neighbor could be beating their kid in their bedroom and you wouldn't necessarily know. Well, and actually, I really like that you said that. You reminded me of something that I uh, wanted to say as well was you even named all four of those people, right? Um, and to your point, uh, Miss Bishop was obviously a little different than Thanos <laughs> and Ego and Odin. But at the end of the day, when you really take a step back, unfortunately, whether it was for the, the good of the children or not, they always thought they were doing right by their kids. Mm-hmm. That's or true. Or for the greater good. And the problem with this, and not the problem, but the fact that it's so awakening and why it's so awakening is because that this isn't like that. You Even Thanos could sit there and even though he sacrificed Gamora, he loved her. I mean, we watched him mourn her and he, he had to sacrifice her for what he thought was going to be helpful to billions of other people. Skewed thinking. Or even Nebula. Yeah. Or even like what he, he thinks he's made in his own twisted way. He thinks he's making her better. Exactly. It's a very skewed mindset. But he is always, and same with Odin, with all three of his kids, he's always thinking he is doing the correct thing. And I think by the very end, at one point, he even says something along the lines of, you know, I always want to try to do right by you or something of that nature when he was... Or acknowledges that he hasn't done right by them. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's what we've seen that storyline a lot with parents. So we can make that joke of, you know, wow, the MCU's got some bad parenting. But taking that step back, in all honesty, to your point... Anybody could be genuinely going through something as horrendous as this. And I, I was so shocked. I'm not even going to lie to you. I was so shocked. I personally just couldn't understand the vitriol. Like it wasn't just lame for a few weeks while she was grieving, which while not right towards your eight or nine year old child, because they're a child, you can understand, you can empathize with, right? Yeah. You need someone to blame. Again, it's not right, but I could understand it. This clearly went on for years. And when it crossed the line into physical abuse, that's unconscionable. It just, I just could not, it, the hate that she felt for her own child. I was like, wouldn't you hold your child tighter? You lost a child and now you're willing to li- literally beat your own child, the one that you have left. I mean, I just, heartless, just absolute, I just, it was, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, even in that moment, and I'm going to kind of bring up a different point I was thinking about during it. Obviously, we saw eventually that was when um, the very first time that Mark experienced a switch of of his into a different altar. He what one thing I will say I don't really like is that he's like I created you, and I'm like, well, not that's not to a, to an actual person with the idea they don't like consciously create an altar. You don't just get to do that. But I don't know that that was just to quickly counterpoint. I don't know that that's what he meant by that. More just like he needed an escape and he accidentally created him. I don't know that he meant he purposefully created him, but just meant that like he was in such a dire place that like subconsciously he did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if he was telling Steven, I actively made you. But, like, more so, like, you were born out of my trauma because I needed a place to escape and I didn't necessarily do that on purpose. Yeah, I just, I don't know, it just came across a little weird. So I just kind of... There was so much aggression the way he said it, and I think that might have played into that for sure. Yeah, but I will say what really threw me off is when we see that first switch, it's right before she goes to beat him, which threw me off because then he was also saying, he was like, I did it so that you could have a great life, so that you could, you know, love your mom, and you never had to live with, like, the knowledge of who she was, and blah, 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 blah. But I was like, but I'm a little thrown off because we see the switch. We see it take place. And it's established by him then speaking in English accent. So it's for sure saying, hey, we're seeing Steven now. Mm -hmm. And then it's obviously cut off because God, no one needs to see, unfortunately, what was happening. But when she goes to obviously hurt him, it's like, I'm a little thrown off by that because would that not have been a Steven memory? Yeah, that threw me a little as well. In my headcanon, Mark just took back over. Okay. Yeah, I, it's the only way it really makes sense, to your point, because of all the things that Mark said about Steven and like how he got to live this good life and has positive memories of their mom. Yeah. My question kind of going on with that, too, is like if Steven had the same mom, which obviously he does, there's only one, how did the parents react to 
their child suddenly speaking in a British accent and calling himself Stephen. Well, I actually have a lot of questions based off of this. <laughs> because I also have the question about if Stephen was raised in that house on that street, why did he not know where he was later on once he was an adult when he was standing outside? Like Mark had shown up for his mom's funeral but didn't want to come in. So I was a little... Th- the only way that that makes sense, I guess, is if Stephen never left the that's house. That's what I was thinking. Like maybe he left the house as Mark, but Stephen yeah, was Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking was the only way that I could have explained that. But yeah, I also thought it was a little strange that I was like, it, it's... The, I think the way it was almost painted, which is why I think I took it that Mark created Stephen and was saying that, was because he was pretty much so aware of the fact that Stephen existed from the get-go. It was like he almost did have control over him, mm-hmm. which was a little off for me. And then to your point, it seemed... Because usually someone who has DID doesn't typically realize right away that it's not like they're like oh my god this is <laughs> um it's usually telltale signs of you know and not t- i don't say telltale but like they start to you know see notice things that they're like i didn't do this um and i know there was a movie example that i watched in class as well that was it had i believe Halle berry in it and it was the same idea of you know she started seeing all this expensive clothing that was in her closet she's like i didn't i didn't buy this why is this here? And it's stuff she wouldn't wear as that uh, altar that was present, which was actually the the main um, person that then had altars. But yeah, no, I uh, I definitely understand where that didn't quite add up because I was also and the mom obviously makes sense, but the dad who seemed to try his best with him, it just didn't quite make sense. I, I don't know. It, it was definitely a slightly poor showing of that aspect of it. Everything else I thought was go- was really, really well done. But it was a slightly hard to follow all the points kind of aspect to it. Yeah, I agree. That part was a little difficult for me to try to rectify. Even, and this is not something that we saw in this episode, but it kind of is a related thought. But like, you know, obviously Mark has had Steven a part of his life since childhood. So... And we kind of have touched on this before, but when he was married to Layla, how often did Stephen come out? Because Stephen seemed to have had a genuine life and have been in the front, you know, forefront relatively frequently enough to feel like, you know, he knew who he was. He wasn't missing large periods of time, all this stuff. So that part also kind of confuses me because I'm like, he can't be in two places at once. Like he can't be Mark being married and also Stephen living his you know, very English life. Well, and I really like that you brought that up too, because I think that was an issue we saw, and I think might have brought up within the first or second episode even. Yeah. Because now that we have this backstory, and it's one thing to have had the trauma event and maybe to have created the altar, but maybe not, it might not have come to fruition till later, but we see it come like and happen at that age. So... Knowing that he's lived with him his whole life, to your point, it's it throws me... Well, Stephen has childhood memories. Yeah. He talks about their mom growing up. So, like, yeah. even as a child, he was... It wasn't just that he switched that one time and it was, like, because of a super traumatic event and then it was, like, laying dormant until he was older. Like, Stephen remembers his childhood. So, how often was he Mark? Well, like, I, I just... I guess I just don't understand. And my issue is... Mark is so aware of Stephen, yet Stephen was never aware of Mark. And then up until, I mean, he thought he was having weird sleep problems. So it really throws me off that we're sitting here very lost almost because I didn't quite understand if he like because and then they kept having those issues with yo give me the body yo give me the body yo give me the body but Mark all this time knew Steven exists like how did Mark get the body back from Steven when they were younger I think my thought is Mark had always been able to control it because he says this at one point I had Steven under control and I think and and in this episode there's that moment when he where he's outside his mom Shiva where he can't go in outside of his childhood home and for the he like collapses in the street and he changes into Steven and Steven's like where am I what's going on that moment that you said well how does he not know his childhood home where he lived you know grew up yeah 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 that over that mark says in a voiceover that's the first time that our lives truly blended together so I think that's the first time where Steven was really like ah like something he started to notice because he says he's on the phone with his mom, air quotes, listeners, air quotes. 
And he says, oh, mom, I did it again. But I think that saying like, oh, you know, I'm lost like in London, you know, where I grew up. Like I just ended up in this weird neighborhood. And I don't know how I got here. But he's in America. So like he not only is like <laughs> crossing the pond, but he's in a completely different country. So that's when Stephen says like, this is the first time our lives kind of came together. And that's when Stephen starts to become aware that something is off and begins to gain a little bit of autonomy over the body, whereas Mark had always been in control before and could decide when he wanted Steven and when he did it. That's my, that's how it, I make sense of it in my head. Yeah, I just, it was, it just definitely threw me off because typically there isn't that control aspect, like I, I said earlier. So I was a little just thrown off yeah. by, I was like, Okay, so Mark is very much aware <laughs> that he has an altar, and yet the altar has no idea, and they're living somehow the same yet separate lives from the age of like seven to whatever he is now. <laughs> so it was definitely um a little weird. Yeah, and then we uh, there's two places I feel like this this conversation could naturally go, and I'm trying to decide which one I want to take on next. I'm, I'm going to go and choose Layla's dad because I want to stay in this episode first and my next point will kind of take us into the future. So we see that. Now we know that he wasn't necessarily sent there to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually really glad that that was where you went with it because after the bro, his mom though point on my thing, it went to the mercenary thing so that that's perfect mainly because i also had no other words for what was happening during that time with his mom i was like i I don't have words i literally wrote mom arrow did arrow bro because i didn't know how else to like formulate what i was saying i yeah so we we know he wasn't responsible that clarified all of that um because i know i had thrown out the theory that jake which we'll get to possibly could that was my second point okay yeah no i have that that's why i was like let's stay in this episode yeah i have that as my final point um but perfect the so obviously i know i threw out maybe jake had been there um who knows and then I know even in this episode, there had been a reference that we thought could have been jerk, so we'll get there. But um, in that point, obviously, we see he wasn't directly responsible for the death, so he didn't really lie to Layla about that. That was an accurate thing. What I didn't expect was that the tomb they were raiding was Conchu's, and that that was the night he became Moon Knight. I think I always assumed that he became Moon Knight the night of whatever happened to Layla's dad. Early on, someone, and I want to say it was Harrow, says something to him about, oh, that night in the desert, like, you're the only one who blah, 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 came out alive. Something along, and it might not have been Harrow, but I feel like it was, it was early, probably episode one or two. Mm -hmm. And so I think in my head, it always was that night. Somehow he was with Layla's dad. Layla's dad did not survive, but he did, thanks to Conchu. To your point, the idea that it was Conchu's tomb or temple did not hit me until he you could see that he, he had crawled up into it. And then I was like, oh, man. And then I thought it was so interesting. And I tweeted about this last night when he's he's at the steps under the statue of Conchu and Conchu's slowly breaking down his resolves to try to get him to be his avatar. And Steven has this moment where he says, look at him manipulate you. Because so many times Steven has been so judgmental about how violent and how much murder Mark does, you know, and because he's such a, such a pacifist. But in that moment, you can see Steven's perspective change from how could you ever agree to this to, Watch this all, not all knowing, but watch this deity manipulate you at your weakest moment when you are on death's door in order to do his bidding. And then later, when we return to that street outside Mark's um, childhood home, when he's grieving, you know, in his own way, the loss of his mother and feeling the conflicting thoughts that he does about that, Stephen says to him, like, it's not your fault, Mark. And there's just this moment of self-forgiveness and self-compassion that was like really quite beautiful as Stephen begins to understand why Mark is the way he is and he's not just this like black and white like gotta kill he has so much hurt that's that truly he's been protecting Stephen from his entire life um so that was really quite profound for me yeah that was there there was so much going on and what I really did love about this episode was we just 
pretty much answered so many things that I think we've been waiting so long to get. And even down to, you know, we figured out where everything came from. We figured out his past. Um, now we know how everything came about with Khonshu. And I think it really helps to show we've been seeing when Mark and Khonshu are in are like a, a conversation with each other. They Mark doesn't have a respect for him the way that it really feels like some of those other avatars did um you can just tell he's angry at him and he wants to get it over with and he doesn't want him like around him anymore and i i think now we can understand where that comes from too and steven kind of putting it into perspective being that inner voice that you know i think everybody needs to listen to but doesn't ever allow themselves to uh and just being like but look, it isn't your fault and your mom with your mom. It isn't your fault what happened with Khonshu and all the times that you killed these people because at the end of the day, he manipulated you. You you were sitting there ready to die. And I mean, he talked you into living. Who wouldn't take the offer to live Yeah, if you didn't have to die? I mean, very few. And what did he have going yeah. for him? He even said he was inhonorably discharged and he didn't have a lot of places he could work. That's why he became a mercenary. He didn't have anybody in his life at that point. I would like to figure out where he's at with his dad. Um, because. Yeah. Cause his dad seemed to really love him. I, and I, but I understand the blame he holds towards him. Oh, absolutely. Um, because that movie that I was referencing earlier that we both feel like we know, but I cannot for the life of me remember. I know the biggest thing was the dad and the son came together at the end and they learned to move on their way together and to grieve together. So I thought it was interesting to kind of get the opposite ending of that, that Mark was because the dad in that movie eventually had to recognize that the mom was only perpetuating the problem of losing the other son and that they had a son that they needed to love. So I thought it was interesting that almost he wanted to love his son and he definitely did, but not enough to ever stand up to the mother to to take his son out of that situation. He allowed her to win, essentially, which I thought was kind of an interesting thing, which is... She lost him his other yeah. son. And really. so I think it's... it's in, you know, he lost one son to death and he lost one son to the abusive hand exactly. of his wife. Not through death, but through just an inability to be in that situation any longer. Exactly, and... So, and this was before, like I said, Layla. So Mark, the only person he might have had would have been his father. So I understood where he ended up. He was at a really low point, I'm sure. And so it, it was quite an interesting scene to to really sit through. Yeah, for sure. That scene in particular, that in the in the temple, it's one that we've seen actually in trailers where he's all bloodied and he comes out in the, the, the Moon Knight costume. But I don't think I ever thought that that was his first time in the mm-hmm. Moon Knight costume. So that was interesting to kind of put that together and be like, oh, this was his first time becoming Moon Knight. Well, actually, if you want to talk about one of the last scenes we got in the trailer, the scene where he is in the he Okay, so I think this episode was hard because we were in a lot of places a lot of times. Yeah. But the part... It was like an episode of Loki again. But it was almost worse in the sense that we really were like all over the place. Yeah. But in this one scene where he is, I don't know what to call it because we're still not really confirmed of anything right now where we're at. We could be in a mental hospital um, or he could be dead. Uh, For the sake of Marvel, he's dead and the whole like afterlife thing is happening because we wouldn't have a superhero without it. But for the sake of the show, we don't actually know what's real and what's not yet. But there is a scene where he's in the psych ward and um, he's hitting himself. And you don't realize, though, that it was uh, Stephen who was standing there that he was hitting himself in front of. But that was the scene in the trailer. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is also, I think it's so interesting seeing the therapy sessions. And I think it's interesting for one, um, Dr. Harrow <laughs> says to Stephen that Stephen was the one who brought them into the mental hospital. When he first said that, I really thought they were going to say that that was what happened when he got fired from the museum Mm. and that he ended up institutionalizing himself after all of that. I was like, oh, my God, are you going to tell me that they're going to tell me this whole thing has been fake ever since he left that hospital? 
I literally gasped like a crazy person. Yeah, I I didn't think of it in that way. I just thought it was interesting because it, it was a it was a Steven move. <laughs> um, especially if Steven wasn't aware of Mark, it made a lot of sense for him to be like, hey, something's not right, so I'm going to do what I need to do to not be a threat to people because I'm worried about myself. Yeah. But I also really have to give a lot of respect for the fact that exactly what was happening in this in these scenes, like I said, I don't know if it's real, if it's a dream, whatever it is, was really one of the biggest treatments for DID, trying to integrate those alters and get them to see each other, essentially, so that you can kind of allow yourself to be more of a whole. So I was like, this is so well done. I was sitting there this whole time, like, this is absolutely immaculate how this is being done to really show... And even when they're talking to... Tawaret, and she's saying, you know, I think you need to be honest with Steven about some things and is pretty much telling Mark, granted at this point we're seeing them as two different people, but is like, you need to open who you are up to Steven. He doesn't know. He doesn't know your life story the same way. Yeah, and he blames you for a lot of things that are truly just you reacting to a horrific situation. Yeah, so I give so much... I, I was just sitting there so happy watching all of it because I was like, this is so well done. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that's a conversation you and I had, I think at the predictions at episode one, like very early on, you know, we've talked about how Marvel has occasionally not done so well in the mental health department Mm -hmm. in in its depiction. Um, We're not going to get into it. We've talked about it before, but they don't always have a stellar track record. Sometimes they do okay. And sometimes they fall a little short. This one, to your point, I don't know as much about DID as you do. I didn't study it, but I thought it was also really treated with a lot of compassion. And it wasn't done, in my opinion, to sensationalize or make them other, them being people who suffer from DID. It really made you empathize with them and helped you further understand what they were going through and also then the treatment for the that type of, of disorder. So... I thought it was really handled very sensitively and, and very well. Yeah, I and I agree. Unfortunately, and I think maybe fortunately in this, at least in the way I'm about to go, you, you know, as time moves on, I think that a, a lot of mental illnesses are becoming more common and more talked about and just less stigmatized. But there's still always going to be that aspect to it. I mean... There's, there's unfortunately a weaponization to it as well. So I thought it was just done very, very tastefully in in a very good way. Obviously, as we've been going throughout the series, I've kind of pointed out some of the things that are like, hey, by the way, these would not be a normal thing that someone with the ID would be experiencing or doing, just for educational purposes as we go through this. But again, it's it is a television show. We are sitting here watching it also be a superhero show so there was going to be some artistic license but i definitely really really loved the therapy scenes i thought they were just amazing all right i know you also really want to talk about jake and i truthfully missed whatever people are saying is the hinted jake i still i was looking it up online and i still don't know what it is like i still don't really get it so why don't we talk about it a little more because i'm confused okay i'm glad we're getting there And then we can hit the end of this episode. Yeah. So (laughs) my thing was I thought I was imagining it. And then I I deleted it from my notes because I was like, oh, no, this was me just being weird. Like, I I guess I really looked into this too much. And then I saw it online. And then I saw a couple of TikToks. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going crazy. People saw this. So what it was was the scene where they both look in a window and it's somebody standing next to the car, somebody being Mark and Steven, <laughs> but um, Mark, so we think. And there's a taxi behind them. Wait, where are they location-wise? They are in this, the mental hospital scene, but they're looking through one of the windows at a memory. Is it the scene where Mark's outside his childhood home? See, that's what I thought. But then everybody was like, when he was very, like, like the way he wrote it off, I thought, cause like, I initially was like, oh, that's Jake because of the taxi. And then, and the way that Mark was like, oh, you know, it's just a memory where you don't need to go through all of them. No, because I think that was when he refused to go into his mother's Shiva and he feels that's a sense of I shame thought. for that. That's why as I watched the rest of the episode, I deleted the note. Cause I was like, 
oh, no, I was wrong. Because it was just one of those things you came up with while you're watching the episode, and then you're like, oh, never mind, it proved me wrong. There were a couple. But then people were pointing it out again online for being a nod toward Jake with having the taxi in the back and the way that in that scene he had the the beard, which in the depiction of Jake in the comics, he usually is a little more disheveled, so he has that look to him. So I was like, well, now wait a second. What is happening? Yeah, because they return to that scene later because Mark's dad comes to the window and he beckons him to come in and Mark's like, nah, man, like I can't do it. He walks down the street, collapses in the street, and switches over to Steven. Yeah, that's why I was confused. And that's what I got the nod to Jake was. Like I said, like I thought it was, and then I undid it. And then I saw everybody else talking about it being that. And I was like, wait, because <laughs> I did the taxi is what immediately I was like, oh. Yeah, that's not the one that I saw. Someone said that they heard Jake's voice somewhere. And I was in like one of oh, the no, scenes. Oh, no, that I didn't hear. And I was like, okay, well, if Oscar... Well, stupidly, I was like, well, if Oscar Isaac is playing all three of them, like, unless Jake has a very distinct accent, how would you tell, you know? Yeah, I didn't know about that one. I knew about the one that I had thought initially was Jake and then went back on. And then other people were like, wait. So then I was also like, wait. (laughs) And just having an existential crisis, essentially. Yeah, I don't think that one was it. I didn't think so either. But I mean, either way you slice it, at the very most, all we got was a hint of Jake. Like, I think you and I both thought that we would get some real Jake moments in this episode, and now there's only one left, and we've still yet to really explore who he is, where he came from, when he entered Mark's life. If Mark clearly doesn't even know about him, I mean, there's so many questions. Because here's the thing, and this, I guess, we can get right into the end of the episode with this. If Steven is no longer a part of Mark... Stop. I, I can't. They killed the bee. I know. I don't, I literally... I... I literally... <laughs> if you want context to my notes, I need Marvel to stop introducing characters I love and then killing them off. <laughs> that is how I wrote that. Um, rest in peace, Natasha. Anyway, <laughs> at, at the three-year anniversary of her death, um, being literally a few days ago... Um, there were so many anniversaries this week, uh, yeah. and I was just, like, so... Me, n- but Right, but I was, like, so nostalgic all week, and I was, like, I'm watching WandaVision to prep for... Which, obviously, th- that's not, that year was, like, a few months ago, yeah. but I don't know. I was feeling so nostalgic for old Marvel this week. It was kind of painful. Yeah, <laughs> but I... I My thought would be they can't... They could... Okay, so they can, if they choose not continue to have Steven really be present, right? However, the hero of Moon Knight still suffers from DID. So it's not a necessarily unlikely thing that Jake becomes an alter later down the road. Oh! And he was foreshadowed rather than, like, we thought it was a predictive thing, but instead he could have been foreshadowed to be another sarcophagus, therefore another alter that isn't yet present. So... Almost as though Mark needs to replace Stephen because now Stephen's gone. And it's not even necessarily replacing as it is just as common. Like, people who have DID can have multiple alters. In this case, we only saw the two or technically one. But, I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be an uncommon thing for him to incidentally or knowledgeably, who knows, create another alter. Okay. I guess in my head, I refuse to believe that Steven is dead and that I think he's coming back. And maybe that's just denial. I don't know. I mean, to your point, it's a it's an anniversary of some deaths. So maybe I'm just like struggling a little bit this week, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I my thought process went to it was more of a future foreshadowing that we might not necessarily get now or because we also haven't had end credit scenes yet. Um, I saw that. I mean, I, the, I took notice to that. Yeah. It might be one of the last scenes of Moon Knight that we get a, a switch into Jake or an end credit scene helping to set up for either another season or the next work for that Moon Knight will be present in. I think that's fair. That's, that's definitely possible. I have one last note that we didn't hit in my notes. Okay, mine... I do as well. Okay, well, mine is kind of um, important because it kind of relates to something 
that I said, I think in the episode where you took one off, where you weren't here, mm, okay. um, I talked about how, you know, we have Khonshu, who believes that you should punish people while they're still living. You should kill them for the bad deeds that they've already done. Mm-hmm. And then you have, of course, Amit, who believes that you should be killed for the people, or people should be killed for the bad deeds that they have not yet done. And then I was talking about the one other god that I know of in the Egyptian pantheon that judges souls based on how good or bad they are, and that is Osiris. And I Mm -hmm. talked about how there are, in essence, in this show, if Osiris was a thing, three gods who judge souls, three gods who have three different perspectives on judging souls, and that's perhaps why Khonshu and Amit were cast out, because the gods as a whole chose to go with the way that Osiris views how a soul should be judged. They should, they should be judged post-mortem and not taken off the earth. And then our girl Taweret talks about how, well, first of all, she brings out the scales, which is like Osiris's thing. And then she talks about going to the gates of Osiris. So we do, yeah. in fact, have official confirmation of Osiris in the MCU. And I was super excited because I feel like it adds a little bit of credibility to my theory it doesn't 100% prove it right but it definitely means that I'm not hopefully too far off which is exciting I just wanted to toot my own horn a little bit there yeah and actually you reminded me of something that from the Jake conversation but I appreciate everything you just said um I was following 100% thank you for that validation I appreciate you no I was like 100% (laughs) there for it I just was also like wait you totally reminded me of something um I could see it on your face yeah um (laughs) really quick to backtrack Something else I did think could have been a hint to Jake, but then didn't end up coming through with it, um, because obviously the Mark took um, responsibility, was the dead, which was freaky. Yeah, that was and horrifying. I thought Mark was almost just as shaken up as Steven initially, so I was like, oh my god, is he? are we about to find out that there's like a third person wandering around this place? But then when Mark started like naming where they were yeah. from, I was like, oh god. Yeah. I, I definitely initially was like, oh, we're about to find out, like, Jakey Boy's been out here murdering people. <laughs> yeah, um, just, like, getting out of his cab, doing a little murdering, going back to the cab. Like, yeah. Chill. Yeah. Just a Friday um, night. But anyway, to move what you said, yeah, it's definitely an interesting take. And actually, that almost combines with the what I said, I think, last episode about what gives these these gods, even if they are a council or not, the right to make that choice. And then I said, you know... They say about not interfering, who made that rule? And was it a minority group? And all these other gods and goddesses didn't want to follow that, which I think ties into the same idea of maybe one of those rules is the idea of, it's Osiris, correct? Okay. Um, That, you know, souls are judged when they die, not, and to be fair, Khonshu and Amit would both be interfering with present life by well, doing right. They're taking their people own actions. off the earth. Yeah. Yeah. So I think individually, ironic al- enough, we might have come up with something very uh, pro- uh, prominent to the series. <laughs> yeah. I think that's everything. Did you get your last note in? No. My no- my last note was just when they were... Well, first off, talk about those zombie-looking things. That was weird. Um, Which part? When they were, like, fighting the sand zombies. Oh, that was horrifying. But also, good on Steven for sick, kicking some booty and realizing he was like, if my body knows how to do it when it's Mark, my body's gonna figure out how to do it when it's me. And I was well, like, yes. First off, I thought that was hilarious because I've seen the memes and people are just like, why did Steven never question why he had, like, a six-pack It was super, like, swole? Bruises, yeah. cuts, none of it? None of I it mean, he about? does heal very quickly. That's true. I was gonna because say Because of, con- like, everything with Kanju, but, like, Everybody was just like, he's a bean who doesn't work out and suddenly is like, he's like he's jacked like ripped, and he doesn't think yeah. anything of it. Like, <laughs> like, this is my natural physique. It's a six pack. Yeah, he's like, I just eat yeah. vegetarian. I eat and I tie myself to the bed. Like, yeah. What? I, I, I thought it was so, that was funny. But actually that exact scene, I really just, I was dying when Mark is literally fighting for his life and Steven's like, you got this, Mark. And Mark is literally passed out. They knocked him out. He was unconscious. You know what, you know what it gave me? You know what vibes it gave me? 
it gave me Bucky watching He Who Shall Not Be Named John. getting his booty handed to him by the Dora Milaje. I I just that was, was the so vibe funny I was getting. It just pans over to Mark who's literally getting dragged off the ship because he's unconscious. And I was like, a little late there, sweetie. We you had the right spirit, but a little late. You got this, John. You're doing great. That's yeah. all that he needed to say, but replace John with Mark. Yeah. I, I I wanted to go out on a not-so-serious note since this was a very serious episode. Um, and then I have one final thing. Go for it. It's unrelated um, to most okay. of the show. <laughs> cool, cool, Which cool. is why I wanted to save it for the very, very, very end. Um, and I know a lot of people have been pointing it out before Moon Knight. And I now that Moon Knight has become a part of the family... I wanted to bring it up finally to kind of really establish it and that we're talking about it too. I've been seeing it. I've been sharing it. But it's the color purple. And... Oh, I thought you were going to say the emotional distress. That and I too. was like, yes. Um, phase four is really hurting me. Mainly because I've seen almost all of my favorites purple. cry this phase and I can't do it. But... Who hasn't cried this phase? Let's be real. Yeah, Dude, Scarlet Witch, Loki, Bucky. Like, I'm... Going I down. just think every character has cried at least once. Yelena. Like, <laughs> like everybody's not doing great. Poor Clint, not yeah. doing great. Yeah. He's riding the struggle bus. Yeah. But, um, I digress. To the point of the color purple. Um, yeah, I've seen To that give too. some reference, uh, in case you're kind of like, what are you talking about? Agatha's powers, Zemo's hood, which is obviously very comic book accurate, and even some scenes in, um, uh, Madripoor. Then we have obviously Hawk. That planet. Well, I was gonna say that planet in Loki. Yeah. Well, I was getting there, but obviously Hawkeye's color is purple. The planet in Loki, both when him and Sylvia are on it, and then uh, the multiverse and Kang being in purple, and the multiverse being pictured purple. No way home. The cracks are purple. Then in Moon Knight, we have now gotten a very purpley scene of the afterlife. And if you've been keeping up with MOM trailers. The most recent, actually, I lie, because there was another TV spot, also had purple magic. So we've seen a lot of it. Uh, and I know previously we've seen the color purple to be tied to the Power Stone. So if we're going MCU related, I'm obviously not saying the Power Stone, but the idea of power may be somewhere in there. I also do know that purple can stand for royalty. I think that's the best known thing that it's no like for, but there are some others, so... Um, those will be included in the blog. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I wanted to throw it out there to keep your eye out for it. We have no idea what it means, if it could mean anything. But Marvel usually doesn't do anything on accident. So I did want to throw it out there now that we've gotten two of the most present works also confirming yet again the color purple being inside of them. Yeah, that's that's a good call out. I, um, I've been seeing that online as well. That There's a really big yeah. through line basically. Actually, I would say starting with Endgame because of Vormir. Oh, I agree. But I think people were just establishing, especially with Phase 4 being, you know... And, and to be fair, Endgame, three years already, uh, because COVID really uh. pushed things back. So I think a lot of people feel that because there was already an um, MCU break and then COVID. So I think a lot of people are feeling that break even further, that the, that Phase 4 is far removed from where we left off in Endgame. Oh, I mean, it was already a... a um a narrative reset after everything that happened with Thanos, obviously. And then you had No Way Home, which I'm sorry, not No Way Home, Far From Home, which was really good because it was so tied to, you know, everything yeah. that happened in Endgame, obviously. And then you had that such a long break. And it was so good in that sense because it was like, now you had a time reset and a narrative reset. And I, it almost feels like a exactly. brand new MCU. Like, clearly it's, it's so tied to what happened before, but at the same time, it's very new. So that, I think that's actually... I mean, the pandemic sucks, don't get me wrong, but in some ways, in that way, it did kind of work in our favor. I mean, I hated not having content for yeah. so long, but, you know, they're just looking on the bright side, I guess you can say. Yeah. No, I, I think it definitely, to your point, it almost wiped the slate. Not forgetting our heroes, of course, and a lot of Phase 4 has been, while introducing many, also wrapping things up for our heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, both dead and alive uh, with legacy things. But I definitely think to a weird degree, the pandemic did allow us to hit that reset, get ready for phase four and try not to compare it too much to phases one through three. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The last thing I want to talk about before we wrap this up is I just want to get your overall thoughts on episode five. 
Um, I know we've kind of hinted about how we felt about it throughout the episode, but I think this is a good place to wrap it up by just saying, what were the overall sentiments? Give them to me, Kate. Well, first off, it made me feel almost every emotion in the book. But I will say, and I think I kind of expressed this a little earlier, while I'm so happy we got answers, and there were so many good parts, it was a lot to dump into one episode. Um, especially the fact that it is the second to last episode. I think we were talking during last week's podcast episode that, just to clarify before I throw around episode 9,000 times, um, (laughs) but I think we were saying, you know, usually four is kind of the what the heck, and then five hits you with that, okay, we're going to lead up to that final bit. And we didn't really get a lot of that. We actually got a lot of, like I said, that internal character development, And so it was a little surprising. I couldn't tell you what's going to quite happen in the finale. Yeah. I mean, sorry to cut you off. I just want to point this out really quick while you're kind of in that, that, you know, zone. There was one little reference to what's happening outside of their death. Yeah. The souls. Yeah. Where Taro Red starts to have, like, freak out a little bit because there, she says there's souls and they haven't been proper, like, they're being judged for things they haven't done yet. Yeah, And that was like our signal that, oh, crap, they have successfully released Ami and she's out. So like while Mark and Steven are having this whole self-discovery journey, she's out there and she is killing people in mass. Yeah. So that's what we have to look forward to. You know what it reminds me of, actually? You compared this a lot to Loki. And I think in the whole you're going to hate this, but I think in the whole um, sense of self-compassion, that you know, is very similar to Loki. I don't disagree, but they didn't make Mark and Steven kiss, so... Yeah, I, I know, I know you have your <laughs> issues there. I know. We're, I, that wasn't my main point, though. My main point was that it felt very much like episode three of Loki, where you built it up and this big thing happened at the end of episode two, and you're like, oh my god, the multiverse is open, right? And then episode three, they're on this planet, and they're talking to one another, and they're getting to know one another, really getting to know the other parts of themselves, which is exactly what Mark and Steven are doing. So I was like, oh, this is like episode three of Loki. The only difference being that episode three of Loki had three episodes left to, like, you know, wrap everything up. And, like, I just want to say my thoughts on episode five really quick were that, you know, I loved the episodes. It's far and away my favorite episode so far. However, it makes me nervous for the amount of things that we have to get wrapped up by the end of episode six. And I did just see today that episode six is only 45 minutes in a runtime, which makes it the shortest season finale or series finale of any of the MCU shows that have come out so far. So not only does it have a lot to wrap up, but it has the least amount of runtime to do so. So as much as I enjoyed episode five and thought that it was really well done and it added a lot to the character and depth and and growth in that sense i'm a little nervous about how much has to happen in the finale next week no i i do agree and i was kind of thinking the same thing when we finished the episode because i was like oh you know first off he's got a free conchu yeah so that's like a whole step (laughs) that we need to get to and then you know, there's a whole goddess out there. And then what really is bugging me, and we'll obviously get the answer next week, but what's really bugging me is if these souls are already being judged, you can't really undo that. Unless they can, and that's how Steven comes back. Which, okay, that would be, yeah, that would be fair. But I'm also gonna, like, I will say one thing that I have learned to love, but I don't love it, is that, and this was, if you've watched The Vampire Diaries, it's going to be a call out to this low-key, is that there's always a solution. It's like, oh no, the world is ending. Solution. Oh no, there's no one doing this. They found a solution though somehow. Like, And sometimes Marvel falls into that as well, where it's like, oh, this is the be-all end-all, but we figured it out. Don't worry, guys. Because I think it is the cliche, the good guys always win. Uh, which is why I think Infinity War finally shook some things, was it was like, oh, we didn't win. I was, like, traumatized. But that's that's why I'm kind of like, okay, but (laughs) how are we going to somehow explain now the undoing of all this? I love Steven back, but we, I, I feel also like he's, Mark has made his acceptance to himself that while I love Steven as a character, I don't know we need him back. 
Stephen did what he needed to do, which was to help Mark see himself internally and not blame himself anymore for all the things he had to do and did do and accidentally did um, in all of his life. And so I think he served as what he needed to. And I'm not sure we need to see Stephen again. I think Mark has made that peace within himself. I think that's very fair. I'm just saying if you're going to bring everyone back, it's an opportunity to bring back Steven. No, yeah, exactly. I don't know that they will. I don't know that this is something that can be undone. It'll be interesting to see how Marvel takes this one, whether they, you know, go for the full clean slate, if you will. Like, everything that Ami has done has been undone. I do think, you know, if we're going to talk about a quick solution... I think the gods probably have that power. That's fair. I also wonder if she's imprisoned again. Is everything she's done undone? However, the people that Mark killed with Kanchu or for Kanchu did not come back to life. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Probably but not. I would say the Council of Gods possibly has the power to reinstate the life of the people, especially if they were they were are not dead for long and were not killed. Um, you know, something that Tawaret says is like, if you go back to your body, it's still like riddled with bullets the way that they're killed with Amit is not quite so violent so their bodies are still pretty much intact so I guess if that's the case and their body still works like maybe there's a way to bring the soul back I don't know that's just a thought that I'm putting out there for next week right okay well this was quite a doozy of an episode I am all good with all of my lists I've hit every single point Katie's giving me the thumbs up so has she we have one episode left, guys. One more episode of Moon Knight. Next week's going to be a special week. We have Moon Knight on Wednesday. Yeah. And then depending on when you got your tickets, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can go see Multiverse of Madness. It is here. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a big, big, big week for us. So if you um, would like to keep up with any of our coverage or all of our coverage coming out next week for the final episode of Moon Knight, and Multiverse of Madness. We also have a predictions episode coming out um, this weekend as well for Multiverse of Madness. You should subscribe on your podcast platform of choice if you don't already. You should also definitely check out our blog, which has a lot of extra information. Katie's going to put up that name of that movie that we both can't remember the name to, but have been referencing all episode. So fun little tidbit on there this week. And last but not least, you can also... Check out our Spotify playlists, which are linked in the show notes. We have playlists for every single show that has come out while we've been doing the podcast, as well as one ginormous playlist with all of the music that's been in all of the MCU shows and movies that are available on Spotify. And as always, make sure you're following the Twitter. It's Let's Talk MFT. We've referenced a couple things here and there that we've definitely seen on Twitter and have shared. So Lots of things are going on on our Twitter, always looking to see other people's theories, as long as sharing our own. All of the blogs and the podcasts will go up there as soon as they are up, or I try, <laughs> but <laughs> as far as soon as they are up. So you can kind of find everything you need since there's so much content and Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it.